Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, final hour of the show on a Friday afternoon. The NFL draft is less than three weeks away from today, three weeks from yesterday. And we are happy to be joined on the Arizona Sports Line right now by Lance Zerline, a name you've probably heard a lot on the show because we've been talking about his mock draft. No doubt about it. Uh, NFL media drafts analyst, and he joins us right now. Lance, thank you for the time. I'm sure you're busy this time of year. How's it going? I'm going well. Uh, watching a tight end from Campbell University right now, so. How's Happy he, to take a break, even though this kid can play a little bit. I was going to say, Lance, how's he look? <laughs> he looks pretty good. <laughs> I tell you what, Julian Hill Campbell, keep an eye on him. Okay. He's uh, kind of flying under the radar. I'm, I'm looking for sleepers right now, so he, he fits the mold. Well, I'm going to start you off on the complete opposite end of that because in your most recent mock, you have a guy that a lot of people are projecting to go to the Cardinals, Will Anderson. But I just wanted to get your general thoughts on him because we've heard nothing but glowing recommendations so far. Yeah, I think Anderson, I mean, look, from in terms of the mock standpoint, I think if it happens the way that I had it happening, I do think someone would come up and trade with with Arizona to try to beat, uh, you know, whoever's picking number four to the spot for, for C.J. Stroud. I don't know if anyone's going to trade up to three to go get Will Levis or go get Anthony Richardson. I'm, I'm not sure about that. But if C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young were to fall, Bryce Young won't fall past Texans. But let's just say C.J. Stroud fell past number two. I do think number three becomes extremely valuable as a trade-in spot. Now, you know, the question is, how do you view Tyree Wilson? How do you view um, um, Will Anderson relative to the rest of the talent in the draft? You know, I don't I obviously don't think Jalen Carter is going to be on the board there. But is it more valuable to have one of those players or to have a lot more draft capital? Because if draft capital is the most important thing, and I think it might be. For, for Arizona, then you might be willing to trade further back in this draft than some other teams would. So, you know, I don't see, I, I don't know how far back Seattle would want to move back if someone tried to come up to number five. But if you're Arizona and you've got so many holes to fill in a roster really to rebuild, it might be worth your time to consider a move back further than you know three to five three to seven it might it might be worth your time to go you know from three to ten to go from three to eleven which is where tennessee is if tennessee wants a quarterback so um i I, you know for me personally i like will anderson i think will anderson's a good player i think he'll be a, a good pro i don't know if he'll be a an all-pro caliber player. So in that case, I think I might rather take the draft picks and just, you know, try to expedite the rebuild process because you're definitely not a player away. So, Lance, you know, it's so cool because we all have our own opinions. Um, I absolutely mm-hmm. love Will Anderson. I love him because mm-hmm. of the person that he is, the football player that he is, the mentality mm-hmm. that I believe he brings to the field in between those white lines. I value that so much. Maybe not just the raw ability, but a guy that is a football player, body, soul, and spirit. I see Will Anderson being that. You actually like Tyree. Wilson more than you like Will Anderson, correct? Well, no, and no, I've got a higher grade on Will Anderson. I've got Will Anderson as my second highest rated player in the draft. This, that's just a mock draft where I'm trying to predict what a team might do. Okay. So when I start doing those mock drafts, especially late in the process, um, I start trying to predict what a team might do. So for D'Amico 
Ryan's defense uh, and, and the amount of work the Texans have done on, on Tyree Wilson, I think they might lean more towards Tyree Wilson. But me personally, I think Tyree's got maybe a higher upside, but he's got a lower floor. I think Will Anderson's a very safe player. Um, you know, Nick Saban players sometimes come out and they're, they're who they're going to be. There's not a lot of meat left on the bone. That doesn't mean you're not going to be a good football player. But, man, they're really coached up. So all those things you talked about, well, they're all true on Will Anderson. Mm-hmm. They're all things that I like a lot, too. You know, my question is going to be, can, can you get a lot more out of them than you saw in the SEC uh, there? But, you know, I, I like them enough to make them the number two, you know, most, the number two most talented prospect in this draft behind Jalen Carter. But Jalen Carter is not going one. He's not going two. He's not going three. And I'm not even sure where he's going to be. But, hey, I, I love the idea of Willie Anderson with Arizona. I just, I also love the idea of getting draft picks and, and trying to fill in some holes that have been left by, yeah. you know, really spotty drafts over the last few years. Talking to Lance Zerline, uh, Lance, one of the scenarios that we would love down here, obviously, is a trade down to four. You get some stuff, you still get to take Will Anderson. But in that dream scenario for the Cardinals, Anthony Richardson's probably got to be pretty highly rated by the Colts. You have him going 14th to the Patriots. So what have you heard about Richardson or what are your thoughts on him? Well, once again, that's that's really a guessing game and a in a mock is, you know, my final mock is, is going to be a lot more locked in, I think. But in this set of circumstances, when I had Bryce Young going one instead of, instead of C.J. Stroud, I tell you what, it really, it really altered a lot of things that I didn't expect because I take each pick as they come and say, what would this team do relative to what's on the board and, you know, their draft history that they have, what their strategy might look like, what their needs are. And, so it was interesting because I, I, I came to a point where I had to make a decision for the Raiders. I had to make a decision. I had the Ravens, you know, doing a deal with Lamar Jackson uh, to the Colts. But even if the deal doesn't get done early enough for the draft, you know, are the Colts going to want Anthony Richardson or will they rather wait until after the draft and try to get a deal done with Lamar Jackson? Um, is there going to be, you know, which of these teams is going to want to draft Anthony Richardson and sit him on the bench for a year? Because that's really what he needs. Will the Raiders be willing to do it? You also have to, I think you really have to weigh next year's draft class against Levis and Richardson. Levis and Richardson are the two guys, to me, they're in the same clump. And are you okay with taking these guys who have lower floors as opposed to maybe taking a shot at next year's draft class? And I think not enough people are talking about the fact that there are a lot of teams who will already have done some work on the draft class next year, and they may say, look, we just we would rather take our chances next year and be in the same position than take a shot on a quarterback. Because if you draft a quarterback in the first round, your job, the, you know, the, the clock on your job starts ticking on a head coach and a general manager. No matter where you draft a quarterback in the first, it's going to be your job to develop them. So you better believe in that quarterback if you take him in the first round. So, Lance, I'm sorry, but i got 30 seconds left here. I have to ask yep. you this. Yep. From a physicality perspective, who's the baddest man in the draft? Ooh, from a, oh, I love that question. Right? Um, Let's from a go. physicality standpoint, God dog it, I need more time than that. Is it about um, Cyrus? I tell you Terrence. what, you know, I kind of like I kind of like Darnell Wright tackle from Tennessee. Okay, he's a pretty physical dude. He's a pretty physical dude. Lance, okay, that's awesome. This man. was great, man. We appreciate the time. Thank you. 
All right, thanks, guys. That, that's uh, Lance Zerline. Thank you, Lance. See his uh, his <laughs> most recent mock draft on NFL.com. People can't see. Wolf was like, we can't go to break. i got to ask this one last question. Yeah. That was a good question. And, of course, Mel came in and said, it's Osiris. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thanks to Lance Erline for joining us there on the Arizona Sports Line. When we come back, is uh, is Chris Paul, 18 years into his career, changing his game at just the right time? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Sunday, presented by Michelob Ultra. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. In case you're just joining us, no Chris Paul, no DA, no Devin Booker, no Kevin Durant tonight. No injuries, so not like you have to like go into panic mode. Rest. But rest. Relax. A little bit different when the Suns are resting their guys as they cannot move up or down in the standings as opposed to Dallas, who's 11th in a league where 10 teams make the postseason and they're resting guys, but whatever. That's I don't believe that's that. Problem. I, I honestly you I think know, those guys I are going to play? Like, seriously. Yes. <laughs> I, play, I don't believe man. it. We had Bobby Marks on before. That was. What? What is that? He had some. Good stuff to say about the Mavericks in particular. Good stuff to say about the Suns, too, but about the Mavericks and their, how messed up their situation is becoming. I mean, honestly, are they trying not to get into the play-in games? Or is that what you're telling there me? Is That's what we're to believe? There is a school of thought that it's not. I mean, this part is fact that they have a pick. I think it goes, does it go to the Knicks? It's top 10 protected. And so there are some who believe, hey, if you're not going to do anything, make sure you get into that top 10 and keep your pick. But it's a lottery. You're not guaranteed to keep that pick anyway. Okay. Uh, All right. So uh, to the Suns and Chris Paul in particular, to me, was the biggest story last night and and out of the last couple games. And there's a story up on ArizonaSports.com. Kellen Olson's looking at at some of the numbers. Chris Paul on, uh, on catch and shoot attempts this year, Wolf. Is shooting fifty three point eight percent. Wow, that is so good. And fifty two point three percent from three point range. Wow. So the guy that you think of as one of the greatest facilitators ever, because he is. What does he have? Five assists, I believe, in the last two games total. <laughs> right. But it's not because he suddenly forgot how to pass. <laughs> the guy got drafted in two thousand five. He's he's been a pretty good passer since since then. It's because his teammates have gotten on him to shoot more, and because the situation now allows him to take wide open shots, and he's taking them and he's hitting them really like never before. Yeah, it's pretty incredible right now when you talk about the fact that he's got five assists in the last the last two games. Five assists and forty seven points. And you're talking about one of the most legendary mid range games the NBA has seen around the elbow in a long, long time. And now all of a sudden we're talking about him being what from beyond the arc in catch and shoot? Fifty two point three percent. And if there's one thing right now, if there's one thing right now, James Jones and Monty Williams would be high-fiving about in regard to Chris Paul, it would be his three-point shooting right now. If there's one thing they could bank on and say, please make this something we can depend on in the postseason, I think it'd be that. The... The the strike that it would be his health 
close. Yes, and then, <laughs> then uh, it would be that. Okay, I'm glad you said that. Um, it's one of the things that's most impressive to me about Chris Paul is that we are talking about a guy that's been in the league since 2005, and he's adjusting his game, and he's he's learned. Like, there's a quote in the story. I think it's not just wait to the playoffs and get in a rhythm. You need to use the, the, these games to do that. Chris Paul, like he spoke at the start of this season too. Last year, obviously, had an impact on him because they won 64 games and didn't win the title, and he's still looking for that first ring. But he's said a few different times this season. He's pointed out little things he learned from last season. And not everybody at this point in their career would be willing to adjust like that. And the other part of this is you came into the season thinking, can he be the number two scorer on this team? Because he didn't look like it in the playoffs last year. Strike that. He didn't look like that against Dallas. He did against New Orleans. And then it kind of became, he doesn't need to be the number two guy. they got to find a different option. And then you bring in Kevin Durant. And all of a sudden, Chris Paul looks like he could be a number two guy because he's wide open all the time. That's a good thing, though. Yeah. We're going to put that in the positive category, that he does look that way right now. I think it's something they have got to have happen. If they are going to be a contender to win the whole thing, you've got to be able to do it in different ways. And I think Chris Paul and his three-point shot is one of those different ways. Here's Chris Paul after the game last night. And, and just as a reminder of his stat line last night, he finished 25 points. He shot 9 of 15 from the field. So that's, what, a good 60% right there. 7 of 12 from 3. That's a career-high 7 made threes in a game. And uh, two assists. Yeah, yeah, I ain't used to it, <laughs> you know, but um, it's it's one of those things where, um, you know, guys keep telling me to shoot, telling me to shoot, and I just said, all right, <laughs> you know, and um, it is weird, but whatever it takes, if that means scoring, if that means assisting, you know, then got to shoot to keep them honest. Man, that is that right there, and he's going to get that opportunity. Isn't it? Isn't it crazy? It, it it seems so crazy to me because Chris Paul, we all know about his playoff mishaps, the odyssey that has been the postseason for Chris Paul, and yet right now here it is, the Suns, and there's a lot of people that look at the Phoenix Suns and say they're going to come out of the West. They're going to come out of the West with the best team in the West. And yet, all of this might actually hinge on Chris Paul making threes when he gets the open shot to do it. Yeah, see, I I think it... And you don't think of Chris Paul as a great... Oh, the three-point shooter. That's Chris Paul. Because he doesn't shoot. He's exactly right. He doesn't. A lot of it is his mid-range game as well. And his, his ability to set everyone else up. And yet... Isn't it odd to you that the Suns' chances might actually come down to whether or not Chris Paul can hit that three? It, that's the thing. It's full circle from where we were at the start of the season. But where I would say it's different now is if if you tell me, you know, hey, Chris Paul's shooting percentage, it's going to dip back down. He's always had a pretty good, uh, I think he's 44% career on catch and shoot, just field goals. Uh, but let's say it dips back down to that or whatever, which is still good. Um I still think the Suns can win. But the flip side is, if he's going to shoot like this, I don't know how you beat the Suns. 
You know what I mean? So it, it hinges on it in the sense of if he's going to shoot like this, I, I just logically, Wolf, how do you defend a team that has Devin Booker? Okay, yeah, you got to put right. some extra attention on Booker, right? No It'll doubt. Burn you. But then they also have Kevin Durant. Yeah. Okay. Well, now you're running out of players, so you're going to have to leave somebody. Well, what if that somebody double off Chris? That's what you're going to. Yeah. Do. So then, what if Chris Paul starts hitting shots? Like I, I don't know how you stop you that. You pick your poison, is what you do, and that's the that's exactly what this team is going to have to do. It's one of the reasons why they're going to continue to share the ball as well as they typically do. That is that is the poison opponents are going to pick, though. They're not going to shy off KD or, or Devin Booker. Uh, here's more from CP3. They asked him if he has had to adjust his game at all this year. Somewhere, but I've always credited myself in being adaptive and understanding that I can play anyway. You know, if it calls for me to assist, defend, shoot, whatever it is. And so, um, it's a lot of, lot, of, lot of stuff going on in the game. You got Book out there. You you got DA, you got KD, you know, and picking your spots, but that's why we do this. We talk about the pressure being off, guys. We haven't even mentioned DeAndre Ayton in this entire conversation. What, what about the nights where he gives you 18, 20 points? Yeah, exactly. Points? That's, you know, I, I, I'm a big believer in you have to be able to do whatever you need to do in order to beat your opponent, whatever he might be weak at. That's something that really applies in the game of football. It does. But I think, especially when you get into the postseason, you see an awful lot of this as well. Teams changing the way they defend or teams changing the way they actually try to score the basketball and the the strategy that comes into it, the tactics that come into the postseason, the coaching moves that are made that come in, even if it's disparate from everything you've done all season long. I, I love that. And that's one of the things that I also think the Suns are very good at. I think they're balanced. If, if you need to go pick and roll to beat your opponent, it, you can do it. They'll just do it. Yeah. You can do it with CP, of course. You can do it with Devin Booker and De- DeAndre Ayton. You can do the pick and roll with these guys. I, I'm really excited to see this because I think the versatility of this offense is much more flexible. Well, and it's not like Chris Paul is going to forget how to pass the basketball if he has to shoot a little bit more. Here's Kevin Durant. Oh, it's very important. We just need CP to read the game like he always been reading it, you know, since he was in college, high school, you know. So whatever the game tells him to do, he's going to go out there and do it tonight. Make seven threes, only two assists. We're so used to him getting, you know, close to double-digit assists every game. But it's good that when you're unpredictable and and, uh, you can switch attacks as a player. So uh, we're going to need that going forward, man. I'm glad you're getting confidence to just catch and shoot, knock down those shots, and be aggressive to score. See right there when you're unpredictable, right? When When you're flexible. When you're you're able to be whatever you need to be to beat the opponent, yeah. We need to have when we do draft capsules for the NBA draft. We need to have Kevin Durant write and uh, and record them because I feel like that guy has a book on everybody in basketball. Uh, Texas, your th- I'm guessing he won't be willing to do that. Texas, your thoughts? The Fendel text line at six twenty six twenty right now. When we come back. Guess Madison, no more. Madison Bumgarner is making his second start of the season tonight against the Dodgers. How short is his leash going to be? And are you holding your breath tonight? It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hey, 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 hey. 
still trying to get over your, uh, I don't even know what it would be, your life hack of walking into Home Depot with a tape measure so you look <laughs> I do all the time. The kids laugh. Oh, they laugh because they know Dad doesn't know how to do anything around the house. But, man, he's going to walk into Home Depot with a big old, and, and not just a 12-foot tape measure. I'm talking about the big 25-footer. Oh, like you can measure you like one that, aisle. Oh, yeah. You stick that thing on your your belt and you walk into Home Depot. Dudes look at you like, oh, that dude knows what he's doing. Are you, you, you like the guy that's like, son, stand next to that refrigerator and hold the other end of this and I'm going to walk down. <laughs> We're going to measure this aisle because I need to know. That's the no. That's the best thing about it, Luke. You don't have to do anything. You just have it. it. You just have it. Just in case they look at it and go, "Man, this guy, he's serious." <laughs> and if you want to put some gloves coming out of the back of your oh, pocket, that's, 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 <laughs> put a little dirt on your face. Oh no, <laughs> Jim, that's the greatest part. Of you. you put some of those leather gloves in your back pocket. Walk into Home Depot. Yeah, you get instant respect. I just like the idea of the tape measurer. In case of tape measurer emergency, this guy will have us covered. That's, That's right. what's going to happen to you at some point. You're going to be there, and some some sort of tape measurer emergency is going to happen, and they're going to be like, does anybody have one? And they're all going to look at you, and you're going to be like, yeah. this is for show. You know, I, I got to tell you, my Uncle Paul, he, he, was, um, he was one of the best guys. Um, he's passed away, but he was one of the best guys ever, and he was, he was kind of overweight. He used to run this lumberyard. Blaisdell Lumber, as a matter of fact, is what he'd run. He did so many things with a tape measure, you can't even understand. Like, I, I've seen him sitting at a desk, and there was a piece of candy that was over. He he literally took the <laughs> tape measure and grabbed it with the end of it, and then just bringed it, you know, bringed it, brought it over to himself. I mean, this is... Innovation is what it is. He would tap you on the shoulder. He'd take you out like we'd go to a movie or something like that or a sporting event. He would take the tape measure out, even if he was sitting four seats away from you, and tap you on the shoulder with it. It was unbelievable. <laughs> There's a man that Uncle only Paul. needed a tape measure. Right Uncle there. Paul was awesome. Uh, all right, two baseball. D-backs back at it tonight. i got to be honest. They kind of, not them, but the Dodgers kind of rained on the parade last night. Home opener. Everybody's feeling great. Yeah. They were, the D-backs were just kind of never really in that game. Uh, Madison Bumgarner is on the mound tonight against Clayton Kershaw. Now, we all remember what happened in Mad Bum's first start this season, and we talked about it at length, and there's a lot of baggage, I think, for the fans because of what's happened the last few years since he got here that any bad start feels like multiple bad starts. I thought maybe there was a possibility he was hurt coming out of that game with the arm fatigue. Um, not an issue. He's going to pitch tonight, but <laughs> he's pitching against the Dodgers again, Wolf. So it's not it's not like he's facing a, a get-right team here. Yeah. Um, you know, listen, I, I'm pulling for Madison Bumgarner, as we all are. Um, I, I'm doing it for a different reason. I, I know there's a lot of people out there that got some anger when it comes to Mad Bum because that has been a signing where the Arizona Diamondbacks went out and made a huge commitment and have not gotten any type of real return on that. Not what they certainly expected to get back. We'd all agree on yeah, that. And, and, and it's heightened because the last couple of years it didn't really matter. It's not like, it's yeah. like oh, the D-backs missed the playoffs by two games because Mad Bum had some bad outings. You know, So it was it was frustrating but it wasn't affecting playoff chances. Yeah, I'm, I'm pulling for him for a couple of different reasons. Number one, I actually have a family member that played baseball with him. 
a family member that has told me a lot of really good things about this guy. Okay, now it was years ago, of course, but still um, told me an awful lot of good things about him as a person. And not only that, as a former professional athlete, to, to see a guy that got paid the money he got paid and was awarded the contract he was awarded to go out and not do your job, not live up to that contract, man, that hits home to me as a former professional athlete because that sucks buttermilk. And that will leave a mark. If you're a competitor at all, and I believe Mad Bomb is a competitor. Oh, you can tell this bothers him. Okay. Now, that, that might be making the situation worse. I don't know. But this is not this is not a case of a guy who's like, yeah, I got paid. I'll talk to you later. Like, yeah. it, it bothers him. Just even from covering I mean, the team the last couple of years, uh, you know, after after games or out at, you know, sure. getting there early to cover games or doing the post-game show sometimes. Like, it, it bothers him when he doesn't pitch well. Just anybody listening right now, man or woman, anybody listening right now right now and you get compensated especially if you get compensated fairly for whatever job it is that you're doing right now all you want to be able to do right is go out and do your job do what you are paid to do do your job and do it well it says so much to you right driving around the base and wherever you are right now it says so much about who you are that you're going to go out and you're going to do your job you're, you're not out there trying to trick everybody and get paid and compensated cheating everybody. Who wants to do that, really? Criminals want to do that. Okay, Mad Bum has been a Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame caliber pitcher in his career. Yeah. And I think he, he's going to end up in the Hall of Fame at some point in time. Having said that, though, do you think this guy... Wants to cheat the Arizona Diamondbacks? You don't think he no. wants to pitch up to his level? I got some saying. It's you- got to be a blight on his person right now mentally inside him it does it, it's not even just the frustration with not doing and that bothers me for him as well as he knows he can do but the guys won three world series he was a huge part of he's really a, a part of all three but he was a huge part of two and he basically won one of them single-handedly so Everybody knows what he can do. And I don't think the D-backs went out and got him a few years ago expecting him to be that guy. But now, I mean, look at the look at the rotation. I know we're only a week in, but Zach Davies is the only one of the five starters that has a good ERA right now. Now, they've all made one start, basically, except right. Merrill Kelly and Zach Gallen. But Davies is at 1.80, his ERA. Merrill's at 3.86. That's fine. That's okay. Uh, Ryan Nelson's at 5.40, but that's supposed to be your fifth starter. But Zach Gallen's at 7.59, and Mad Bum's at 11.25. Yes. Now, basically, Mad Bum's is one horrible inning, but... Going back to the conversation we had after that day, the problem with Mad Bum is when he has a bad inning, it is a bad inning. He does. He cannot avoid that big number, that crooked number right there. Again, though, it's personal base in earnings. It is. When I look at Mad Bum and I think about what he's doing and what he's going through and how he's performed, um, yeah, it sucks buttermilk. That he'd have to deal with that, because I hear he's a pretty good guy. It's Tori Lovello uh, before the game yesterday, just making it official that Mad Bum is starting tonight. Yeah, we um, we felt that way from the very beginning. I was just trying to be as transparent as possible with the group that was in L.A. and saying that I felt the same way in my conversation with Bum. He's always been, you know, very, 
very honest with me, and he told me that he wasn't overly concerned. He just felt a little fatigued. But at that point, we just decided on our side to, to get examined. And um, we did. And, you know, once again, he's going to make the start, and that's what I predicted, and that's what I felt very strong, strongly would happen when I announced this several days ago. Ultimately, you're just asking him to be your number three starter. He doesn't need to be 2.30 ERA guy that he was for the first nine years of his career. Right. You know what I mean? But third starter is still important, so he... He's got to be, I don't know, he's got to have that ERA in the high threes, you would like. And, you know, I was really expecting, I haven't heard this, but I was really expecting him to come in in the best shape of his life because I thought he would say deep in his heart, there's no way I'm going to go on. This is, this is not how I'm going to leave this game. No way. It would be nice if he didn't have to face the Dodgers in every start. That would that would make the numbers seem a little more real one way or the other. Uh, coming up next, busy week around the world of sports. That seems to be happening a lot lately. We're going to take you through all of it with the Work Week Wrap-Up. Next, it's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, final segment of the show here on a Friday. It's time for the Work Week Wrap-Up. Wolf, here we go. Monday. Monday, D-backs. Oh, boy, this is what we're starting with. <laughs> D-backs take a 4-3 lead going into the bottom of the ninth against the Padres, but then uh, give up a couple home runs. Here it comes. Swung on and belted deep to left field. It's a walk-off win for the Padres. Hassan Kim by his teammates at home plate his first of the year and the Padres win it by a final score of 5-4 to four. Boy, did that suck buttermilk right there. <laughs> yes, it did actually. Wow. It feels like that was 100 years ago. It was Monday. Yeah. Man, you, you just every win right now for the Diamondbacks you just want it so badly. These guys are going out there. They're competing hard. Just have to wonder if they can manufacture enough runs to win games on a consistent basis. Well, and then we played the cut of Tori Lovello saying, okay, even though he's got the arm fatigue, mad bum starting Friday, which is now today. Conversation with Bum. He's always been, you know, very, very honest with me. And he told me that he wasn't overly concerned. He just felt a little fatigued. But at that point, we just decided on our side to, to get examined. And um, we did. And, you know, once again, he's going to make the start. And that's what I predicted. And that's what I felt very strong, strongly would happen when I announced this several days ago. Uh, then you have the Coyotes losing 8-1 to one to the Kraken. That also wasn't fun. No. Most lopsided loss of the year. Unleash the Kraken. They're going to the playoffs, too, in their second year. And they just clinched a spot last night. And then uh, Jemiah Neal announcing he's exiting the transfer portal and coming back to ASU. I went to Arizona State. Play that cut every day. Yeah. Have you seen you like Jerry Maguire? Picture. Yeah, of course. Yeah, well, I don't know. Sometimes you haven't Jerry seen Maguire. movies. Everybody's uh, seen Jerry Maguire. Everybody has, but that usually means it's a movie you then haven't seen. 
Rick really, hasn't Rick? seen Jerry Maguire. What are you doing? Okay. No, I was just I was just agreeing with you. Oh all. yeah. Okay. There you go. <laughs> well, right. It's like ready to attack. Right. Uh, all right. On to Tuesday. 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 Cardinals signing uh, versatile offensive lineman Elijah Wilkinson, and then former Arizona Cardinals vice president of player personnel Terry McDonough filing an arbitration claim accusing owner Michael Bidwell of cheating and misconduct. Here's Adam Schefter. Well, there are a lot of things here where Michael Bidwell essentially is accused by Terry McDonough of creating an environment in which he feels like he bullied employees and he had employees living in fear. This also feels like it was 100 years ago. Yeah, it did. Not much really happened with that story the rest of the week. So as you have said multiple times, we're going to just have to wait and see how this plays out now. It's the way that it is. The, there's going to be an investigation, probably, I'm sure, with some type of arbitration hearing. That's going to be a definite in the NFL, so you'll have to see what comes out of it. Uh, good news with the D-backs after that rough loss to the Padres in the first game of the two-game series. They come back and beat the Padres 8-6. Here's the pitch. Fastball lifted in the air to right. Towards the line goes McCarthy. Sprinting, running, makes the catch and tumbles into the seats. He holds on and the inning is over. Quick to his feet, he hops back on the field. High fives from his teammates and that does it for the Padres in the bottom of the eighth inning. That felt really good, didn't it? Jake McCarthy just joining the fans to make that catch. That right there was the win of the season as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. That was the best game. And it wasn't even over the Dodgers. But I think think they would agree with you. When we talked to Mike Hazen on Wednesday, I think he essentially did agree with that. Uh, Meanwhile, also still on Tuesday, Suns clinching the number four spot in the Western Conference by beating the Spurs. Playoffs. And on to Wednesday. Wednesday. Wednesday ESPN NFL Draft Analyst. Matt Miller joined the show. We asked him if he sees the Cardinals trading that number three pick. I think the plan is to move down. And I, I think we've even started to see inklings of that in the media. You know, uh, I think the Titans want to come up or the Raiders want to come up, right? There's so much talk about teams wanting to trade up. And I think a lot of that is geared toward the Cardinals trading out. But he also said this about Will Anderson. My comp for him was Vaughn Miller. I see some TJ Watt in his game as well because it's this dude that has, not only is he going to just beat you with that first step speed, but he's got that little shoulder dip that he brings to the table, and he's got such strong hands that he's able to shed blockers. So Will is, to me, the guy that, you know, if you had to pick a Hall of Famer out of this draft class, I'm picking Will Anderson to be that guy. Yeah, once again, um, I've got this all figured out. The Cardinals just need to move back to four and take Will Anderson and still get a cache of draft picks. Can you just mediate a trade? Like, you know how they have, like, professional mediators? Yeah. Just sit down, the Colts and the Cardinals and be like, Let's work this out. Wouldn't that be great to do that? Sit in a room and just look at some guy and say, we're not going to do that. You think we're going to do that? We're not going to do that. So stop acting like we are. You're going to be out there. You're going to be up on the board. The clock's going to be running. And you're thinking we're going to call you and make an offer. And it's not going to happen, Luke. You'd be a terrible mediator. This is the exact (laughs) opposite of what a mediator does. You'd walk in with your tape measure and be like, Look, this is how we do things now. It's just, you're bluffing. We all know you're bluffing, so knock it off. Uh, Also on Wednesday, Mike Hazen joined the show, and he specifically told you that you need to catch up with the rest of us. Get on board, Will. Get on board. We're not going back. Go watch watch an NBA game without the shot clock and let me know what you think. (laughs) That was a great analogy. That was. 
Todd Chambers. You know what? There's never been a clock in the game of baseball. Until now. Now there is. Uh, Tom Chambers joined the show, and uh, he had this to say about the Suns' chances. It's pretty emphatic. You know, I've said it on air. I, I don't really, I mean, I don't believe there's a team in the NBA that can beat this Suns team, you know, the way they're playing. I really don't. He might not be wrong. Yeah, you know what, TC, I'm with TC on that one right yeah. there. Yeah. You got some toughness to you. That's uh, what I want to know. Be tough, sons. Be also, tough. Also had the Coyotes, along with their development firm, Bluebird Development, filing a $2.3 billion lawsuit against the city of Phoenix for damages caused by the city's legal filing on March 27th that acted against the Oats' plan to build an arena and entertainment district in Tempe. So stay tuned on that one. Thursday. Thursday, former Cardinals GM Steve Keim joining the Green light podcast with chris long talked about kyler murray you know there's just some times of inconsistency with him and obviously the height hurts him at times seeing over the line and processing and seeing the field but at the same time i mean he's just a tremendous talent he really is the stuff he does you see in practice and in some games and he's just off the charts i think it's just putting it together and playing consistent football for four quarters one of the big reasons why you got to go ahead and put him under center and hope that you can run some bootlegs and waggles, get him out on the edge, put him under center, still run the ball, and yet still use play action to throw the ball, get him out on the edge, one-on-one with some guy maybe who is trying to tackle him, who really isn't built to tackle him. But we'll see how that all shakes out. Uh, ASU basketball is just getting confusing. Warren Washington declared for the NBA draft, but still has college eligibility. And then after committing to stay at ASU, Devin Cambridge is now entering the transfer portal. Meanwhile, the, the Masters, Victor Hovland, John Ram, uh, John Rahm, and uh, Brooks Kepka finishing atop the leaderboard after day one. Here's Rahm. Obviously, I've played really well this year, right? Maybe not the last few tournaments, um, but I'm, I'm feeling confident, obviously. Hopefully, I can keep it going. I know it's just the first day, and there's a long way to go, and still a lot of great players have had a great front nine. I'm looking now because I can <laughs> it's a little fancy over here, so I can see my score. I can see everything. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, so it's still a long way to go. I'm obviously super happy what I've done today. It's a little fancy over here. You know what's amazing about golfers are it's just the humility that golfers show. It's because of how difficult the sport really is. But wouldn't it be great to have a golfer just say, you know what, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna win this thing, just trash talk, and then just break just the club over their go knee. Out there, I'm like, gonna win this thing. You kidding me? And then make direct eye contact. Be like, I'm what? gonna win it going away. Uh, well, Brooks Kepka's doing that right now. He's 12 under. D-backs lost to the Dodgers 5-2 in their home opener. Suns held off the Nuggets. KD, 29 points. Suns win! Suns win! Coyotes lose to the Kraken 4-2. Friday. And uh, the second round of the Masters. Currently suspended due to weather, but Brooks Kepka 12 under. John Rahm is second. and Metallica together. Okay, listen, Basinians, have a great weekend, honestly. I'm just going to listen to this from now on. Okay, so take us off. Right, now I just I hear Masters and Metallica, the Masters of Puppets. Uh, all right, that's it for us. Thanks to Aaron Maloney, Jesse Morrison, Behind the Glass for Wolf. I'm Luke. we got Burns and Gabo next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Peace and strength.